to One Church Podcast. We hope you enjoy this message. And for more information, please visit us on the web at onechurch.net. If you're new here uh, today at One Church, my name is Justin. I'm the pastor here at One Church Park District. And uh, you've come on a great, great Sunday because we are just kicking off, or really started last week, but just continuing to lay out the vision that we believe that God has put in our hearts for this year. And if you were here last Sunday, you would have uh, seen that we did not have these beautiful banners on the side of the stage. Can we show some love for the banners? Come on. And uh, so that really just helps us to keep in front of us throughout the year the vision that God has put in our hearts to live the Jesus life together. And we spent all of last fall talking about what does it mean to be a follower of Jesus, not just a believer. Have you noticed that there is like a, a, a decreasing bar of faith in our culture today? It used to be a follower of Jesus and it was a believer. Now it's just a person of faith. Anybody ever heard that? A person of faith. Well, how many of you know that you can have faith, you, you can have faith in anything, right? It's not faith that is powerful. It's what your faith is in right? Like I can have faith that I can fly, but that doesn't change anything, okay? And so what we put our faith in, and we are putting our faith in Jesus Christ, and that changes our whole life. And so we don't want to just be a believer in Jesus. We want to be a follower of Jesus Christ. And so we talked about that all last fall. Who was here at any point last fall? Come on. And so now we're, we're going to go from just talking about it to being about it. Look at your neighbor and say, be about it. Come on. So we are, we are going to do that. We're going to do what we've been talking about. And so that's really the heart behind this series. And I, I shared with you last week um, out of John chapter 14, where Jesus said this, if you love me, keep my commandments. And really being a follower of Jesus kind of comes down to that level of simplicity. Uh, it, it is very simple. That doesn't mean it's very easy, but he gave us the helper, the Holy Spirit, Uh, But really, all of our Christian life hangs on uh, obeying what Jesus tells us to do. And so uh, we want to continue to build on that today. And if you're taking notes, uh, I'm titling this message, uh, Reproducing Life. Reproducing Life. Anybody into reproduction? Well, we, we believe that God wants us. Some of you are like oh, shouting a little too loud. Somebody excited. Uh, we believe that God wants us to be a reproducing people. And so I want us to talk about that today. If you have your Bible, Genesis chapter 1, I'm just going to give you a few texts just to lay out this theme. And in Genesis chapter 1, verse 11, this is the creation story. Again, I told you if you're here for the first time, you're here on a good Sunday. We're starting at the beginning, okay? And Genesis chapter 1, it says, In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. Skip down to verse 11. It says this, Then God said, Let the earth bring forth grass, the herb that yields seed, and the fruit tree that yields fruit according to its kind, whose seed is in itself on the earth. Where is the seed? In itself. It's in it, okay? Uh, Whose seed is in itself. Um, And and then skip down with me to verse 22. It says this, and God blessed them. He's talking about the, the, the animals. Any animal lovers here? Come on. 
They're blessed here. It says God created them and he blessed them, verse 22, saying, be fruitful and multiply, fill the waters in the seas. All the fishermen said, amen. And let the birds multiply on the earth. So the evening and the morning uh, were the fifth day. Skip down to verse 28. This is God making... Uh, mankind, and he says is, he made them in his image, verse 28. Then God blessed them, and he said to them, Be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it. Be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it. As we talk about obeying Jesus, obeying God, uh, the reality is that God's commandments, Jesus' commandments, he said this, it is not burdensome. Well, if you don't believe me, here's the very first commandment in the Bible. Be fruitful and multiply. Now, I have multiplied a few times myself. I Four children. And I got to tell you, that commandment is not burdensome. Okay? It is not burdensome. But I, I say that because I, I believe that God wants us all to understand that he's called us to reproduce. And I, I don't just mean physically. Some of you are like, is this a, a message on baby making? Isn't the, <laughs> hey, if the, if the shoe fits. But here's, here's what I want you to know is that God has created all of creation and he has put the, the principle of multiplication into creation. He's put the principle of multiplication into creation. I was out yesterday uh, in my yard and uh, I have... An orange tree in my yard. You thought I just had a snack up here this morning. I have an orange tree in my yard. Anybody else, you, you have a, an orange tree or a citrus tree or a fruit tree? Some of you uh, do. And I, I have this in my yard. And to be honest, I've not done anything to cultivate, it, to cultivate it or develop it. But it just bears fruit every year. About this time of year, those green spheres on it turn orange and it bears fruit. It's this amazing thing. It's like uh, just free fruit on the tree. I don't have to, you know, scan my Amazon Prime barcode or anything. It's just this amazing deal. It's, it's crazy the way that, that works. But I, I got all of these oranges, and, and I have to tell you, they're pretty good. They're, they're delicious. But the reality is that no matter how great this orange is, that there's actually something greater than just this orange being a nice little orange, right? It, it can be a nice little orange, a tasty little orange, a juicy little orange who's, whose mouth is watering for an orange right now. Anybody? Jess. Let me finish my illustration first. <laughs> but the reality is that that no matter how great of an orange this is, there is a purpose for this orange beyond living just a nice little orange life. As nice as that is. And the same is true for us as followers of Jesus Christ. You see, in this orange, there is, it's a wonderfully delicious orange, but there is also something greater. There is a seed or seeds in this orange. And when God created everything, he put a seed within it. And here's what I want us to understand is that really the measure of our life is not determined 
simply by the life that we receive, but by the life that we reproduce. For every single one of us, God is calling us not to just live the Jesus life, but to give the Jesus life to others. To not just be a receiver of the life of Jesus, but to be a reproducer of the the Jesus life into the life of others. But oftentimes we have dumbed down the call of the gospel just to live a nice little orange Christian life. And you can be sweet and you can be juicy. I don't know what that means, but... (laughs) But... Regardless of of how nice your life is, if you are not reproducing the life of God into the life of someone else, you are not fulfilling the life that Jesus has called us to. We are called to reproduce in other people, in our lives into others. This is the principle of multiplication. Right here we see in the very beginning of Scripture, again and again and again, God, God created it. And the Bible says that, that He blessed it and He said, uh, reproduce after your kind. And so there is in everything that God creates is not just the power for life, but the potential to give life. And here's what I want you to know is that to live the Jesus life is not just about you living just a nice life and going to heaven when you die. It's about reproducing in the life of other people. We see this again and again. God told Abraham that he blessed him and he said his descendants would be blessed. Notice who was blessed? His descendants. Before Jesus ascended back to heaven, his very last words was this, go into all the earth and make disciples. So disciples make disciples. Followers of Jesus reproduce followers of Jesus. This is the the, the law of multiplication, the the law of reproduction. And I want to just kind of share with you in just a moment, I'm going to have a friend come up and just interview him and share a little bit about what that looks like practically in his part of the world. But I want to share with you three things that I believe we all need to understand if we are going to live the Jesus life, if we are going to be people that are not just receiving the life of God, but we are reproducing it in other people. Do not settle just to receive the life of Jesus. If you just receive the life, but you do not reproduce the life, you become a dead-end road. I've shared with you before the difference between the Dead Sea and the Sea of Galilee. Both have the same river flowing into it. Both have the same intake. The difference is not what goes in. The difference is what goes out. The Sea of Galilee has an outflow. The Dead Sea doesn't have any outflow. It becomes the end in itself. And when you make yourself the end or the goal of your life, you ultimately produce a dead-end life. The greatness of your life is not in the life that you receive. It's in the life that you reproduce. God wants us to to live a life that is flourishing. He wants your, I believe this, God wants your business to be blessed. God wants your marriage or, or Uh, relationships to be blessed. God wants your finances to flourish. The Bible says this, 
those that are planted in the house of the Lord will flourish in the courts of our God. I love what it goes on to say, even in old age, they will still be flourishing. Have you ever met somebody that maybe chronologically they're not very old, but they are old prematurely? They're not flourishing in life. Anybody met somebody like that? If you're sitting by them, do not raise your hand. We've all met people like that. They're, they're not receiving the life of God, but ultimately God's purpose is not just for us to receive the life of Jesus. It is to reproduce the life of Jesus. And so three things that I believe we need to understand in order to be people that are reproducing the life of Jesus in other people. The first thing is this, that all of life starts with a seed. All of life starts with a seed. Now, I, I know that it, here as Americans, we love big, right? Anybody here from Texas? Any Texans in the house? Right back there, I see that hand. Thank you. You know, Texas, uh, they, they like everything. Americans like things big. Texans, I mean, it's a whole nother level, right? But we love big things, but in the kingdom of God, I want you to understand that the opposite is true, that the greatness is not in the big, the greatness is in the small. The Bible says this, that the kingdom of God is like a seed. Everything that God does starts with a seed. Have you realized this, that God made mankind, He made Adam out of the dust of the earth, but have you noticed that there is not any more men or women being made out of the dust of the earth? Where are men and women coming from now? That's a loaded question. As soon as I said it, I thought, this is, I'm setting myself up. Where do babies come from? Well, seed. <laughs> seed, right? So God is using, he created things, but now he is using seed. Everything that God does on the earth, he does through a seed. He does it through the life that he gave in a seed. And so the, the, the seed, although it is small, it is a carrier of the life of God. Now, honestly, I don't fully understand that, but, but if you were to take this orange or if you were to take maybe an acorn, there's some beautiful oak trees outside of the museum. Across the street, there's a beautiful uh, oak tree that, that's a couple hundred years old, just beautiful, sprawling oak tree. And that oak tree is beautiful. Now, today, people can come and, and sit in its branches. People have their weddings under it. I, I, sometimes I like to just go and pray under that oak tree, and I, I think, man, if this oak tree could talk the stories that it would tell. But that oak tree, the amazing thing about the oak tree is not the greatness of the oak tree. It's the fact that it started with a seed. Everything that God does, he starts with a seed. And so I want to encourage you today, never underestimate the power of a seed. Never underestimate the power of, of the little things that, that you do that sow life into other people. Never underestimate the power of a, a word to give life to somebody else. Never underestimate the power of serving. Never underestimate the power of sowing into something else. In fact, the Bible says this, that the, the Word of God is like a seed. 
The word of God is a seed. God has put his power into the seed of his word. Luke chapter 8 verse 11 talks about the word going out and it's like seed that falls on the ground. And some seed springs up quickly. It doesn't have any roots and it becomes dried out and it dies quickly. Some seed falls on on, on rocky soil and it cannot take root and it doesn't get into the soil. And then there's other uh, seed that the Bible says that weeds come up and, and choke it out. Anybody have any weed problems growing in your yard right now? Weed problems? Y'all have miracles in. Okay, thank you. The pools are being honest this morning. My yard, some weeds in my yard. And, um, but it chokes out the life. But, but he also says this, that as soon as the word is sown, that the enemy comes to pull up the seed to pull up the word. The, why is that? The enemy hates the seed because the seed produces the life. And he may not be able to. A bird cannot pull up an oak tree, but a bird can pull up an acorn. And so if you can stop the seed, you can stop the power of life. The same is true in our spiritual life. The enemy often doesn't come in when we're full of faith and when we're passionate and after God. He comes in as soon as the seed's sown. He comes in. Maybe some of you, you're new to following Jesus. And maybe you, you've heard the good news of what Jesus has done and what he came to, to bring into your life. And you just go, wow, that is awesome. Maybe you feel like, wow, there's this life that has, has come into me. And then as soon as you leave here, as soon as you get into the parking lot, there's something that comes in and just tries to pull that up. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Yeah. It, it just tries to destroy that. But I, I want you to understand, never underestimate the power of a seed because everything that God does starts with a seed. All of life starts with a seed. Look at what the Bible says in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 13. Paul said this, For this reason we also thank God without ceasing, because when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you welcomed it, not as the word of men, but as it is in truth, the word of God, which also works or effectively works in you who believe. Do you hear the progression of what God does? He says you first heard it, but you didn't just hear it, then you received it. That means there is an openness to what was communicated to you. How many of you know there's a difference between hearing and listening? Wives, you know what I'm talking about? You're like, I told you, I, I, you know, the trash, maybe hopefully you say it with a little less attitude than that, but I told you. You can say something, but there's a difference between what is said and what is received, right? And so Paul says, you, di you didn't just hear it, you then received it, and then you just didn't receive it, then you welcomed it, and now it works in you. And so for the Word of God to work, it has to be heard, it has to be received, it has to be welcomed, and then it will work in our lives. But everything that God does starts with a seed. That's why it's so important for us to be hungry for the Word of God. 
when we come into an environment like this, that we, we should be on the edge of our seats, not because of me, but he says, you welcomed it not as the word of man, but as it is in truth, the word of God. And so when the word is going out, it's not just the opinion of man, but it's the very power of God who spoke life into being and breathed the, the, the cosmos into existence. And he wants to breathe life into your life, but it starts with a seed. It starts with the word of God. And so all of life starts with the word of God. Paul says this in Colossians chapter 1. He talks about the word of the truth, or the word of the truth of the gospel, which has come to you as it also is in all the word, world and is bringing forth fruit. It's bringing forth fruit. In order for it to bring forth fruit, it must be received, it must be welcomed into our hearts. But I, I want you to understand that everything God does, He starts with a seed. That's why we're talking about uh, just the, the basic practices of discipleship, reading the Bible, spending time studying the Bible, memorizing the Bible. Some people may say, well, that's kind of like old school. We don't memorize anything. Why would I memorize it? I just have it on my phone. Well, it doesn't do any good there. It's got to get in here. And so we have to put that seed into our hearts. And the enemy's tactic is always to keep the seed from being sown. Have you ever noticed how many times throughout the Bible that there was a, a wicked king that rose up and he killed all of the babies? Why did he do that? Because the babies are the seed for the future. And you don't have to destroy the future if you can just destroy the seed. The enemy knows that. If he can just destroy the seed... He can control the future. And so the enemy wants to destroy the seed. The Bible says as soon as the word is sown, immediately the word of God, or the, as soon as the seed is sown, immediately the enemy comes. It's so important that we keep our hearts and minds set on the word of God. But it's not just about the word. It's about understanding the principle of reproduction of reproducing, that God wants us to not just receive it, but God wants you to reproduce it. Really, the, the, one of the greatest ways for the Word of God to work most effectively in your life is not you to just hear it, but you to share it with somebody else. That's why connect groups are so important, because we have the opportunity not just to hear the Word, but then we begin to encourage other people. We begin to reproduce that in other people. We begin to not just receive life, but we become a life giver. A life giver. God's calling every one of us to, to not just receive, but to reproduce. And so the first thing I want you to see is that all of life starts with a seed. It all starts with a seed. The second thing I want you to see is this, that every seed reproduces after its own kind. The Bible says, Genesis 1.24, he said, he created them and he, he, he caused them to reproduce after their own kind. How many of you know that things reproduce like reproduces like? Right? Uh, you know, cows produce little cows, baby cows. What are they called? Calves. That's right. Calves. So cows produce calves. Dogs produce puppies. Cats produce demons. That's right. They produce demons, little demons. 
because they reproduce their own kind. No, I'm sorry, cat lovers, I'm sorry. Why is that? It's the, it's the principle of reproduction that God has put into everything that has life, the, the DNA or, or the recipe for reproduction. You see, science has just caught up with what the Bible has told us from the beginning when it discovered DNA, that, that everything reproduces. There's something on the inside of us that carries the instructions or the recipe for reproducing. And so if we have received the life of Jesus, if we are followers of Jesus, what will we reproduce? If we are followers, I threw you off with the kittens thing, I know. <laughs> if we are followers of Jesus, what will we reproduce? Okay, followers of Jesus, you're doing great. Let me just tell you this. That is the measurement of your relationship with Jesus. It is not about how you feel. It is what is produced out of your life. Why? Because that reveals your DNA. And so if you have received Jesus into your life, you will become life-giving. You will reproduce the life of Jesus into other people. Why? Because every seed reproduces after its own kind. And so an orange, or let me use that acorn analogy, an acorn doesn't just contain with it, in it, a potential oak tree. An acorn contains within it a, a whole potential forest. When God created an acorn, he didn't just put into it another oak tree. He, can, he put within it the recipe for reproduction that will produce not just another acorn, but will produce a whole forest. That's the principle of multiplication. It's, it's the law of reproduction. And the greatness of your life is not determined by what you do. It's, it's determined by what you give birth to. It's about what comes out of your life. It's about reproducing into the life of others. And so that means this, that if you're a follower of Jesus, your goal is not just to stay in church and keep your salvation intact so that you can go to heaven when you die. God has put within you the recipe for reproduction so that if you are a follower of Jesus, you contain within you the recipe for a Jesus movement. A Jesus movement. Do not let the world or, or church culture dumb the power of God in your life down to just making it to heaven when you die. God wants to release something through your life that will change the world. It's, it's the law of reproduction. If we, if we get this, this would change everything for us. This would change everything. God works according to reproduction. The third thing that I want you to see, and then I'm going to get my friend Jens up here in just a moment. Here's what I want you to see. Is that where there is, number three, not only does everything in life start with a seed, not only does every seed reproduce after its own kind, that means that if you, if you want to have friends, you need to be friendly. Amen? I don't know if that's for somebody, but I'm just saying. Some people say, well, people aren't friendly to me. Well, you, sometimes you walk around looking like you're <laughs> miserable, right? I had somebody say to me one time, 
Nobody's friendly to me. It's like, they're scared of you. They're scared of you, okay? I'm just telling you. And so we need to be friendly to, to other people. We, want, we need to, to sow that seed into, into everything in life, relationships. This changes marriage. Don't look, for, don't look for a partner that has everything you want. Find somebody that's willing to cultivate with you, that, that's willing to sow into the future with you. Number three is this, where there is no seed, there is no harvest. Where there is no seed, there is no harvest. The principle of multiplication, everything that God does happens through reproduction. And so where there is no seed, there is no harvest. How many of you know if I want uh, an apple tree, I can go to the ground and I can pray for the ground I can speak over that ground. I can command that ground. But how many of you know, if I want an apple tree, I'm going to have to do more than that, right? I'm going to have to put a seed into the ground. And so the same is true that where there is no seed, there is no harvest. Genesis 8.22 says that while the earth remains, seed time and harvest while the earth remains, are we all in agreement today that the earth remains? There's a lot that has changed on the earth, but God is putting forth here in Genesis, the book of Genesis, some principles that will govern all of life, not just temporarily, but, but eternally. And he says this, while the earth remains, seed time and harvest, cold and winter, uh, cold and heat, winter and summer, day and night shall not cease. Seed time and harvest. I want you to see the relationship between those two, that in order for there to be a harvest, there has to be a seed time. You will not get a harvest in your life if you are not sowing the right seed for that harvest. You'll not see a harvest of life in your family if you've not been sowing life-giving seeds into your family. So it's seed time and harvest. I've said this before. Everybody loves harvest time, right? Don't we love harvest time? Yeah. Who's been apple picking before? Apple picking. Who's been blueberry picking? Some in Florida, that's what we do. Blueberry picking. What, what season is blueberry season? March and April. I can guarantee you, come March and April, your Instagram feed is going to be blowing up with everybody with their blueberry picking photos. Super farmy, super organic. How many of you know, we have not been on a blueberry field in our life until it's blueberry harvest time, right? That precious little farmer out there in Claremont, Come March and April, there will be a crowd. I mean, it will be like downtown Orlando transports there. But how many of you know he's out there today just sowing seed? Or he's probably already sown his seed. Why? Because in order to have a harvest, there has to be seed sown. And the same is true for our lives. Here's what I want you to see is that seeds are for sowing, not for sitting. Seeds don't do any good if they're just sitting there, if they're not being sown. There's a place in the, the north of 
Norway that's called Svalbard. I don't know, did I pronounce that anywhere near right, Jens? You'll meet Jens in just a moment, but let's say it's Svalbard, or we'll kind of put a little Scandinavian, like, Svalbard (laughs) to it. But this is the International Seed Bank. So uh, people, I mean, it looks like it's Fort Knox buried in a, an iceberg or something, but it's actually the International Seed Bank where all the nations of the world send their seed there. And that's great for security, but ultimately it does not produce any life, right? As long as those seeds are in the seed bank, there is no harvest, there is no life. Why? Because seeds are not for sitting, they are for sowing. And a lot of Christians look like that. They're full of seed, full of potential, full of life-giving power, the power of God, but that power is just for sitting. They come in on Sunday, squeeze a little juice out. Oh, man, that's good. But there is no reproduction. And and the power of the life of Jesus is not just for us to receive. It's it's for us to, to reproduce in others. It's for us to, to give life. Uh, God has called every one of us not just to receive life, but to give life, to give life. And so we have some friends here today. I've been referencing Jens already, but we have some friends here today that are new friends uh, for, for Jen and I. They've been friends of Matt and Sarah Hammer, and uh, they are missionaries uh, in East Asia. And I'm going to ask them to come up. And um, before they do, I'll mention this. Just for security purposes, just due to the regulations of where they're at, uh, they can't have any photos taken. So I know y'all are always, when you're in here, normally you're like blowing up Instagram with what's happening here. Just kidding. But uh, you can do that every other time. But right now we're, we're not going to do that. And uh, I'm trying to think if there's something else that we need to, just no photos, and we're not going to talk about where they're from, but, uh, or where they're at. But anyway, would you put your hands together and welcome Jens as he comes up. And uh, we'll just kind of move these things. I don't know if we can move this out of the way. We'll figure out the mechanics here, but we'll bring some stools over. Jens, good to see you. And uh, so Jens is originally from Denmark and now lives in East Asia, and um, Jens, you, you and Joanne, Joanne, would you just stand up and give everybody a wave? And uh, I'm so glad for them to be here today uh, because this is really the life that they are living, is, is this reproducing life. And uh, Jens, you are originally from Denmark, right. and uh, Joanne is here, is from here in the States, and uh, beautiful places. Anybody been to Denmark? It's a great place. <laughs> it's a great place. And um, beautiful place, um, lots happening there. But you have made a decision not to live your life there. You've made a decision to live your life uh, overseas in East Asia. And could you just tell us, I have some other things I want to ask you, but could you just tell us what it was that stirred your heart to leave Denmark and uh, to leave the United States and go to a place that is far less comfortable than where you you could have stayed. Yeah, I think um, early on in my life, God challenged me to uh, just follow him and uh, whatever that meant. And so at a certain point in my life when I was young, I uh, 
I, I just surrendered my future to him. And it was, it was really a transition in my life. And uh, when we, the latest time when we moved from, uh, from Denmark, uh, left Denmark, God gave me that scripture that talks about Abraham, leave your father's house and go to the land that I will show you. That eventually led through Florida and then to East Asia. And uh, it's, it was really about just letting go. You know, it wasn't, it wasn't easy for us. We lived uh, in New Tampa for 11 years, and it wasn't easy for us to sell our house, um, get rid of all our stuff, and just pick up and move. Uh, but it was in the sense that we knew it was what God was calling us to do, and we were willing to go wherever he would. He would lead us, and there's nothing better than being right there where God is showing you this is the next step in your life. Yeah, so that wasn't, you said it wasn't easy, but now as you're there, in hindsight, uh, how do you feel, or just in terms of the journey so far, how do you feel um, about where you're at now compared to, had you just stayed where you were, stayed put, and just lived you could have lived a nice flourishing life there but but ultimately not seen it's it's fullness it's been the last couple of years we've been there has probably been the best years of our life and but it's also been the hardest years of our life mm. um, our kids are grown uh, they just graduated college they're still back here that's not easy but we uh, what has really taken us there is the fact that there are people in this world who haven't heard the name of Jesus once. And um, we wanted to at least do everything we could to give them a chance to hear the gospel just once. Um, And uh, it does take a lot of sacrifice. It does take giving up, but in the end, it's all worth it. Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, I want you guys to just let that sit in your heart and, and sink into your heart, that, that reality that there is, in our modern world today, there are still people who have never heard the name of Jesus once. In, in all that we have, uh, all the, I mean, I've got like a theological library on my iPad, on my phone, and how easy it is to forget that. Do you know, Jens, I'm putting you on the spot here, but do you know about approximately how many people in the world would be considered unreached that have never heard the gospel in a, in a clear way for them? Uh, I would say it's almost a billion people. Wow. And, uh, and out of those, there are a lot of what we call unreached, unengaged people groups and they speak a different language, have a different culture, and they don't have one believer among them. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, one of the stories I heard that before we left that really stirred our hearts as well, it was a friend of mine. He traveled to East Asia uh, short term, and they went up in the mountains with an interpreter and came to this small village in an unreached uh, area. And uh, this old man invited them in. And they got to share the gospel. And tears just went down his face. He said, all my life, 
I have worshipped rocks and trees, but I always knew there was somebody greater. There was a greater God, but I asked around, and nobody could tell me about him. He said, two nights ago, I had a dream. Somebody would come to my house and tell me who that greater God is, and here you're sitting today. And uh, that just stirred our hearts so much. That was one of the stories God used in our lives that if somebody's willing to go, it's possible. Wow. What an amazing thought. If somebody's willing to go, it's possible. Mm -hmm. Amen. I, I, I want to ask you just um, practically, uh, here in the States, um, we have, you know, things uh, quite well, very well, so mm -hmm. blessed. Um, in church, there is often a, a strong emphasis, and I think it's a, a can be a great emphasis, but on church growth, growing the church, um, a big church, ultimately kind of the assumed goal. Mm -hmm. But for where you are in East Asia, that really is not possible. It's illegal, if I understand correctly, mm -hmm. it's illegal to uh, gather in a public place like this. So it's not even possible. So you guys have really had to shift in your, your ministry, um, moving from the States uh, to there to East Asia. You've had to shift from addition to multiplication. Could you just describe what that has meant for you guys and your thinking and just mm. your understanding of the Scripture and what it means to be a follower of Jesus? Yeah, so as we... We think through this, and we are putting it into practice. What that means is you can you can you have to stay really small groups. Uh, what it really looks like is so it's all a matter of what it looks like to the authorities, right? So if you are gathered around a dinner table, you have a meal together. Uh, that looks like you're having friends over, right? But it actually works really well, and it looks a lot like acts as well. Sharing yeah. a meal together, right? Yeah. And so that has really forced us to build close relationships. We talk about we gather together loving God, mm -hmm. loving others, and making disciples mm -hmm. with Christ in the center as king. And that means we listen to him and we obey him. And so every time we're gathered, we look at the scriptures together, and then there are three questions at the end we all pray about and listen to God and asking him for an answer for. That is, how am I to obey the word of God today, what he has spoken to me? Who can I sh uh, train with this word? And with whom can I share my story or God's story this week? And then we share with one another. And then the next week, we come back and we talk about how did it go. So accountability is really an important aspect of the multiplication that every person in the church, we call it simple churches, or locally we call it small potato churches because when you take small potatoes, cut them up and put them in the ground, they multiply. And so, uh, but really when we come back, it's about holding each other accountable. Everyone is a disciple maker. Everyone uh, is reaching out and can make a difference. And that's what God called us to do. We see that in, in uh, the Gospels and in Acts as well. And once we start doing that, that
that's when you can start seeing multiplication happen because everyone has the DNA of what it means to, to be a disciple that makes disciples. That's awesome. I know one thing you shared with me over dinner last night, you talked about how you use the hand a lot and just simple illustrations and ways to communicate That's right. uh, to people. And one thing that, that uh, you shared with me is that there's kind of the expectation and um, I don't know if requirement is too strong of a word, but certainly expectation that every person will have five people that they are uh, pursuing relationship with to share the gospel. And, and then there's also accountability. Every person has accountability. Um, could you just share a little bit about that and kind of what that creates in terms of, uh, you know, new people coming in and, and the expectation that's set from the beginning? So as soon as somebody becomes a believer, the first thing we teach them is how to share their story and God's story. And then look at all the people they know and pick out five that doesn't know Jesus that they could share with. And so we use the hand so they can remember. Uh, and so then we encourage them to go and share with them. And it may be that somebody uh, is out of town, somebody is not interested, but then they go and share with somebody that is interested. And then they keep sharing with them, keep loving them, and until they might be able to share their story, God's story, and then uh, lead them to Christ. If people are not interested, then they switch that person out with somebody else, you know. But you always have five that you are praying for, you are pursuing, you're working on building relationship with, loving, and ultimately uh, to be able to share the gospel with them. That's awesome. So it's not just kind of this vague idea of um, sharing the gospel with people. There's some, some focus put, put to it. That's, That's right. amazing. Yes. So good. Um, the second thing I want to ask you, um, again, kind of going back to our conversation that we had over dinner mm -hmm. last night, is um, you talked about repentance and the importance of mm -hmm. repentance to really help people understand from the very beginning uh, mm -hmm. what it means to be a follower of mm -hmm. Jesus. And uh, I, I wanted to ask you this question, having lived in the States and now living in East Asia where you're at there, mm -hmm. do you feel that we have undersold uh, Christianity and mm. what it means to be a follower of Jesus, and, and what do you see as the effects of that? Yeah, I think um, we, uh, our language helper, uh, this past year, we, we got, she was not interested at all, but over time we got to share with her, and finally she came one time and said, I want to know how I can become a believer. And we knew her history and that other people had pushed her before, so we wanted to really um, be careful. And so we started talking to her, have you thought about the cost of becoming a follower of Jesus Christ? If you want to follow him, there are things you need to let go of in your life. There are things you need to turn away from. And she started writing stuff down, and uh, she started weeping because she knew that she was not a good person. And that's, that's what had led her to be, want to become a believer because she knew she was not good enough. She couldn't do it on her own. The other part we started sharing with her was, uh, if you become a believer, you need, you need to share that 
with other people. You can't keep it to yourself. But there's a cost in doing that. Your family may not like, you know, like that. You may lose your job. You may, uh, yeah, be, you may lose friends. You may, there may be a high price to pay. Are you willing to do that? And we sent her home and to think through that. Uh, I thought maybe we should have given her a chance to be, be saved that day, but we'd, we didn't. And so we texted her and said, if, if you still want to follow Jesus, you can come back tomorrow, bring some clothes, because baptism is part of that. And then she texted right away and said, yes, I want to do that. I'll bring clothes. And so I think in the West, often we can, it can be all about just knowing about Jesus and about salvation without thinking about the cost. If we don't think about the cost, about the repentance, about turning away from our old life and embracing the new life Jesus has, where we're willing to follow him no matter the cost. It's only then that he can use us. Uh, I was reading this morning, uh, interestingly enough, about Jesus saying, unless the, the grain of wheat gets put in the ground, it remains just one grain, right? And so unless we are willing to turn away from our old life and say, God, I will do whatever you call me to do, share with whoever you want me to share with, then we can multiply. Then we can uh, be disciples that makes disciples. Yeah, that's, that is awesome, Jens. It's such a powerful scripture, what you just shared. Unless a grain of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it abides alone. And... It's, it's a bit counterintuitive, I guess. You would think it would say, unless a grain of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it abides alive, right? <laughs> That's what you would think, but it says abides alone. Mm. And I think ultimately we do ourselves and we do others a disservice when we don't give the full offer of really what Jesus has communicated. Let me ask you this in closing, and then we're going to just sing a song and, and spend some time allowing the Lord to, to push this into our hearts. Um, what do you see now, having lived in Denmark, uh, you know, very modern, progressive culture, having lived in the States and now living in East Asia, coming back here, what do you see as the cultural challenges that we as Jesus followers face here? Uh, what are the challenges to becoming a reproducing follower of Jesus? I think um, part of it, what I've seen in Denmark a lot, is people creating God in their image rather than seeing man being created in God's image. And so when it's Jesus plus whatever else you believe in, uh, that will not produce fruit. Um, so it's, it's him alone. Nobody else. He's enough. And we need to put him in the highest place in our lives. And there was a missionary from northern India that lived in a very persecuted area uh, among Muslims. And he came to America and somebody asked him, it must be a lot easier to be a Christian now that you're in America, right, than in northern India. And he said, no, it's actually harder. 
they're like, why? Because they're, there, at least, we were forced to rely on him every day, else we wouldn't survive. But here, there's so many temptations to live without relying on him. And I think all the distractions, all the temptations to not put him first every day is the hardest part about our culture in the West. Uh, setting him aside, abiding in him first, setting time aside with him to listen to him, and then pray, listen, and then obey, do whatever he tells us to do. Who should I share with today? How do I need to follow you today? What should I do today? Sometimes I wonder, and myself included, the question, how much time do I spend praying or listening to God versus how much time I spend on my phone or online or, you know, who is number one in our lives? And it's about priority. It's about a wholehearted commitment. That's the challenge, getting back to our first love and being on fire for him, letting him fill our lives and then walk with him. If we don't, if we don't listen to him, how can we follow him? That's really the challenge I see in our culture. Do we focus on him enough, prioritize him enough to where we really take time to listen to him? Yeah, it's a powerful thing. That's a powerful thing. Jens, we are going to close in just a moment. In fact, I'll get the worship team to come come back up. And um, in just a moment, we'll have communion available on both sides. We want to just take a moment uh, to allow the Holy Spirit to, to speak to us. Um, but uh, any, any final thoughts that maybe you, you feel just you could speak to us as a church that, that God would help us to really fulfill what he has called us to be and to do individually and also collectively? I would just challenge you individually and collectively to think about what is it God wants to reproduce? Mm. I think if we just live a mediocre life, we don't get rid of sin, we do whatever we want to do, is that really what God wants to reproduce? Mm. I think what God wants to reproduce is people that wholeheartedly live in immediate, radical, costly obedience to Him. And so that gives room for reflection That's right. every day. Yeah. Am I that disciple He wants to multiply? Yeah. And, and it allows Him to come in just to surrender to Him everything that is not pleasing to him and say, God, I'm willing to from now on every day to surrender to your lordship, do whatever you tell me, whatever you show me, I'm willing and I will step out every time you lead me and guide me and be that light. Amen. Amen. It's the Jesus life. Amen. Can we express our appreciation to Jens this morning? Thank you so much, Jens. Why don't we stand, stand to our feet?